You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Going through the All-22 coaches film from the Bears' loss to the Browns really, I think, for me, highlighted Justin Fields' struggles and some of the specific areas where he was making mistakes that, boy, you can see just how close they were getting on film. But it still, I think, also then speaks to a larger issue about Matt Nagy not properly preparing his quarterback to really be 100% locked and settled in for that Week 3 matchup. This is Locked on Bears. And I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at LockedOnBears. You can like LockedOnBears on Facebook. Join the LockedOnBears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. Plus, subscribe to the LockedOnBears YouTube channel to make sure you're keeping up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thank you for making Locked On Bears your first listen every day. The podcast is here you here for you five days a week. And today, we're here to go through some of the all-22 coaches film plays from this game. In particular, we'll go through some of the sacks and figure out, okay, offensive line issue, Justin Fields issue, or Matt Nagy play call issue, sometimes a combination of those things, and go through some of what we were able to learn about the young quarterback that way. Then we'll turn our attention specifically to one drive in this game that really, I think, encapsulated the full spectrum of things that were going wrong and where you can sort of distribute the blame in multiple places, all sort of packed up nicely into the last drive of the third quarter. And then we'll wrap up with a little bit more of a big picture look at like, okay, then what, what do we fault Matt Nagy for? What do we fault Justin Fields for? And what do we fault this offensive line for? And how did they go about improving that moving forward? I want to start with Justin Fields' first passing play of the game. It ended up being, I think, like a six or seven yard scramble, but I think for me it stood out as him missing an opportunity and, and not seeing the full field. And it was the start of a trend that I think we saw throughout this game of things move very, very, very fast in the NFL compared to college football. And even though Justin said in the preseason he felt like it was moving slower, that was the preseason. This is the regular season against a, a top opponent with the defense that was playing at a very high level. Fields, I think it was a, a third, or it wasn't a third down, but it was like a 10-yard distance for that play, and he had an empty backfield, essentially, just a full empty set for him to be able to drop back and, and look to throw, and he seems fairly locked on up the middle. There's a, a high-low concept with Allen Robinson breaking in from the left and another receiver coming underneath across from the right, so the two essentially are they're not crossing each other, but they're coming at different lengths downfield in opposite directions across the middle of the field. And that's his main read. And he's standing in the pocket. He's looking at it. He's waiting for it. And neither one's getting open. And then he starts to feel some kind of something in the pocket and scrambles forward and picks up seven on what was second and nine. However, had he taken a little bit more time or had he, I don't know, had he just had a, a greater feel for the play and been able to see the whole field a little bit better, this was still the middle of the field, but he was locked in on that one sort of high versus low read. He had wide receiver Demir Bird in the slot running a vertical seam route where he blew by the slot cornerback and there was no safety to help him. And there's a potential touchdown throw there. He's open deep if an, an accurate pass scores a touchdown on that play. Now Fields instead leaves the pocket, picks up seven yards. Seven yards is good on second and nine, absolutely 
but he didn't need to leave the pocket yet. The, the pressure was not there. He, you know, the, the blocks kind of went around him, but no one was free to pursue the quarterback yet, and he had more time to sit in there, go through more of a progression, potentially find Demir Bird for what could have been a potential explosive touchdown. Instead, it's a seven-yard scramble, and you, and you like that Justin Fields' athletic ability is enough to make up for it and still get something out of a play where maybe he missed something even bigger. But it's areas of, like, here's where he can keep getting a little bit better from there because you start to go through a few of those sacks, and the offensive line play was a big problem. Do not get me wrong in any way. Bad offensive line play in a lot of this game in terms of pass protection. But there are opportunities where Justin could have either thrown the ball away to prevent a sack or potentially check down to receivers or, or be a little bit more quick and decisive in firing on a route that might have been open. And again, he shouldn't have to check down or he shouldn't have to, you know, fire and be more decisive. He shouldn't have to throw the ball away. You want the offensive line to give him more time than that. But, you know, a veteran quarterback, for example, might have handled a few of those sack situations differently. And I think the difference between it being a sack and an incompletion is a little bit more so on Justin Fields. That the incompletion a lot of times is forced on the offensive line because they let the pressure come a, a bit too early. But it was really, the first sack was Fields' second passing play where Jermaine Effetti just gets, lets Clowney run right inside by him. It was Awful, awful right tackle play. But Fields is snapping, and he's looking left. I believe it was uh, a Darnell Mooney at the bottom of his screen. It's either Mooney or Robinson. And he's like, you can see him looking at the route, and he like starts to pull his arm away and then, and then hesitates and doesn't throw it. But if he had gotten rid of the ball quickly and on time and where it was supposed to go, he could have had a completed pass, even though there was quick pressure on the play from the offensive line. You do not expect a rookie quarterback in his first start to necessarily make that throw and that play and to be that decisive on his second passing game, passing play of the game. And the, the pressure was so quickly that, yes, that, that sack is not on Justin Fields. That sack is on offensive line, and he should have, I mean, he needed more time, generally speaking. But right, there's still, there's a window there, potentially, as you start to look for improvement looking down the line moving forward. Or his second sack of the game It's the play where, Jason Peters does not pick up the blitzer coming in off the left side, and and, Darnell, and and he's got, I think it's Darnell Mooney again working a slant over the middle of the field, and you can see Justin, he, you know, he's in the pocket, and he steps up, and he takes his hand off the ball like he's going to wind up the throw, but then he starts to feel some of the, pr the front side pressure, and then, of course, the unblocked player comes in and hits him and makes a sack, but it's like he was right there, and he knew where he, he wanted to go with the ball, and he, he hesitated because... You know, there was a linebacker who was turning around and running back, but he wasn't really covered, and he just wasn't decisive, confident, clear, and deliberate in trusting what he saw with his eyes and stepping up and firing it in there. And again, unblocked defender, not his fault. Offensive line, messed it up on that play. Shouldn't, shouldn't have had to be that difficult for Fields. He should have been able to have a totally clean pocket, step in and fire and deliver that slant over the middle of the field. And the pressure is part of what makes, I think, him struggle on that play. And so, yes... It's the offensive line's fault there. But there's that opportunity for growth, right? And that's where it's like when you want to find those reasons to be encouraged and to feel like, okay, you're a step away here and, and Fields can make that progress, it's right there because he's seeing it really well. It's there in his eyes. It's just it's a little bit late. It's a little bit of a hesitation. But you can kind of start to feel like maybe he won't hesitate so much on those as he gets a little bit more comfortable and, and presumably as the offensive line starts to play a little bit better. So you can kind of get a sense there of like, okay, the, the sacks 
they're, 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 they're partially his fault. He could have thrown the ball away when he felt the pressure, right? They're partially the offensive line faults. Maybe they're partially Matt Nagy's fault for not doing more than to help the offensive line. But you get a sense of, like, how that mixture is starting to come together here. And I think there was one key drive in this game, the end of the third quarter, the one where they got the field goal, that really we saw the full spectrum of really good Justin Fields, really bad Justin Fields. Pretty good Matt Nagy, pretty bad Matt Nagy, and bad offensive line, and, and good enough offensive line. We'll go through play-by-play play through that drive and sort of f- find these little examples of, of the good and bad in all directions next on Locked On Bears. The Bears are favored in week four on betonline.ag, getting ready for that matchup against the Detroit Lions. I believe three-point favorites at home is essentially the, the three-point split, but hey, that's, that's what makes these games so much fun to bet on is the confidence level of Bears fans is all over the place heading into this game. And the best place to get your wager down is at betonline.ag. It's the number one place we trust and the number one place we recommend for all the updated props, odds, contests, and so much more. Lots of ways to play, not just pro football, college football, hockey, soccer, tennis, baseball season coming up on the end of the year, basketball season just around the corner, golf, so much more. Any kind of sport, any kind of bet you can think of, they have it at betonline.ag. So sign up today for a free account, and when you do, enter our promo code NFL100, and that's going to get you a 100% welcome bonus matching your first deposit dollar for dollar at betonline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. There's an app that I think most listeners of this podcast really need to know about. If, if it applies to you, if you ever fill up a car with gasoline, then you need to download Get Upside from the App Store or Google Play. With Get Upside, you can get up to 25 cents back, cash back, for every gallon of gas that you fill up in your car. With gas prices as high as they are nowadays, it's a great way to get a little bit back at the pump. Some people who drive a lot make as much as two to $300 a month just by filling up, just by using the Get Upside app. And there's no catch. The cash back goes directly into your Get Upside account, and then you can make a direct deposit, connect it right to your bank account. So it just goes straight in, or you can go through PayPal if you'd rather, get e-gift cards to places like Amazon or other places. I mean, they make it super easy for you with Get Upside. So head on into the Google Play Store or the App Store, wherever you get your apps. Download Get Upside and enter our promo code TOUCHDOWN. And you're going to get an extra bonus 25 cents per gallon back in addition to the 25 cents you get. That's up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first Philip when you download the Get Upside app in the App Store and enter our promo code TOUCHDOWN. We'll see if the Bears can get a touchdown going next week against the Lions. They came close on that last drive of the third quarter where, of course, Matt Nagy settles for a field goal at the two-yard line. We will That's sort of where this segment will wrap up as part of you can kind of know where we're going to go there. But that drive really, for me, showed us such a full spectrum of everything that was going right and wrong in the Bears' offense with Justin Fields and Matt Nagy in the offensive line. Because it started out with a couple of tough spots for Fields. First play is a... Play action rollout for Justin Fields, but it's it's getting him out of the, it's supposed to get him out of the pocket. But the Browns defense reads it really well. Edge defender doesn't bite on the play action and just goes straight for Fields, and so Fields has to kind of stop and turn around because the pressure's right there. He can't roll around him because the defender's in his path of rolling, and so he ends up jumping and trying to flip it to Jimmy Graham 
in the flat, and it's this off-balance, off-target throw that ends up hitting the dirt, and it's not really a... He couldn't step in to throw it all. He literally jumped past, hit as he's throwing, trying to get that down, and it's like, it was play action. It was a rollout. I believe it was shotgun, not under center, but it was still a, supposed to be a moving pocket, but it was a great play by the Browns defense to sniff it out, but also kind of a weird combination of routes from Matt Nagy, where... He had Mooney go in motion and do kind of a wheel, and so Justin couldn't throw to him hot out of the backfield because he fakes like he's going to be in the flat and then goes up the sideline, so then he has to wait for Jimmy Graham to get over. He has a couple of guys working from the backside, and then I think Allen Robinson's running a post route sort of across the flowing motion, so he's not really open. There wasn't really a lot open for fields on the play, and then the pressure was there so quickly because the Browns defender was ready for the rollout on that play that as much as Matt Nagy tried, that's an example of Matt Nagy saying, like, sometimes the defense does actually take it away from you. And that's not an overall defense of how Matt Nagy called the game, but there's just an example there that, yes, sometimes the Browns defense did take away the rollout and the moving pocket for you. Second down, you get a run-pass option on second and 10 after the incomplete pass. So Justin Fields is going to fake the handoff, and then he's looking to throw this slant route to Allen Robinson. And... He, there's like this this slight hesitation from Fields because Robinson is a little bit, takes him an extra like half second to get over there, and he throws it and it hits Jason Peters in literally in his butt. Like it's a, it's a, it's a run pass option, so Peters is trying to run block because that's how, in a run pass option, the offensive line is blocking as though it's a run and it's the quarterback's job to decide whether to hand it off or to pull it quick and throw it, but the offensive line doesn't know whether you're passing or running, so they are taught to assume run. And so Peters is trying to block somebody downfield and actually gets in the way of Justin Fields' pass to Allen Robinson. And it's not anything that, like, Peters wasn't necessarily in the wrong there. It was just kind of a, a weird thing timing-wise where he's just trying to make some kind of play, and it's it's Robinson, and he's sitting just kind of on, like, a curl route. It's just maybe a half second late. I mean, it's like a slant that stops on a curl, and it's maybe a half second late because there's, you know, he's, he's waiting for a a defender to get out of the way. There's a running back going to the flat and, and Robinson crossing over the middle and he's waiting for the defender to follow the running back to the flat. So he has to wait this half second and in that half second, Jason Peters is climbing to the second level trying to block somebody and he, Peters, gets in the way of the pass for what would have been, you know, probably a four or five yard little completion dump off to Allen Robinson but it's just like little timing things that were off with this Bears offense. It's not really Fields' fault. It's not really Robinson's fault. It's not really Peters' fault. It's just... Everyone was kind of doing what they were supposed to do. It just didn't really work out because, you know, whatever reason, the play kind of took them in a different direction. So it leaves you with third and 10 after two straight incompletions, third and long for Justin Fields. You're like, oh, no, blitz is definitely going to come. They do they do send a blitz. But, but Fields does such a good job knowing where the coverage is, knowing what his route is. He's got Allen Robinson off coverage on the left side, and so he's just going to run a deep curl. Perfect timing, steps into it. And timing had been an issue in a lot of this game of him – just being a little bit late on some of these throws, but he throws this ball before Robinson even turns around, and it's right there, right in Robinson's hands, right when he needs it to be, and then Robinson turns and creates some extra yards after it to pick up, I think, 18 on what would have been 3rd and 10. Then the Bears get in some no huddle, right? They, they get fields up to the line of scrimmage quickly. Defense is scrambling. It becomes They only have a three-man rush because their other pass rusher couldn't get there fast enough. Dumps off to Montgomery. He's Hit right after catching the ball, ball pops out, it's kind of a drop. Then they go to a read option for Fields where he keeps it and picks up a yard, but had a, a run pass option there. He could have thrown it over the top potentially to an open Marquise Goodwin, 
but you don't want to have too much on his plate there. So you'll take the one pat the run pass option and cornerback steps up and makes him go down after just a yard. So I don't know, you call that good defense, but then it's another third down, third and nine from midfield. And it's like, they're not in third and long from Fields' fault. I mean, Montgomery couldn't hold on to a quick pass in the flat. Run pass options, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Defense played it well, but it's another third and long from midfield. And Fields, and now to give Nagy some credit, he set up a tight end screen for Cole Komet that actually was pretty well blocked and pretty well set up. And we've been calling for the Bears to do some kind of screen or something. It's there, but Fields gets out of the pocket and has some pressure, and he has to, like, underhand shovel pass it late to Komet, and it gives the defense a little bit more time so the cornerback comes over and comes around and makes the play. So Komet would have gained, I think, six yards on the play, but then Peters is flagged for holding on the back end. So it comes back to be third and 19, not Justin Fields' fault, not Matt Nagy's fault at that point. That's just the hold then on Peters. Then you get the Justin Field moon ball. Flo- fires it deep into the end zone. Kind of overshoots Allen Robinson. It's picked off. There's defensive pass interference. It moves the play. I think 48 yards on the pass interference penalty. Bad, bad decision to chuck it deep there by Fields. And didn't see the field all that well because he would have had Mooney behind Robinson. Was wide open. And maybe Fields was trying to get it there and couldn't get enough air under it because of the pressure he felt at the very end. Because he kind of left the pocket a little bit early again. Rolls right. Takes his time tries to find something, but the pressure's coming down, so he just lofts it 50-50 ball for his wide receiver. Bad decision, plus a push-off, so, you know, it ends up working well, but you don't want Fields to force that pass downfield, especially when he had Darnell Mooney running open. He just couldn't see him. For whatever reason, Fields in this game was was not as cerebral as we saw him be at Ohio State, and I think it's a signal of something we'll talk about in a minute of just there being maybe too much on his plate or too much expectations or opening too much up for him for a rookie quarterback in his first start. But that puts the Bears down in the red zone. And you go to the weird Wildcat David Montgomery as the quarterback read option play. And he read it fine, and I think he picked up five yards on the play. But, I don't know, he would go to a trick play with Justin Fields struggling. I mean, I kind of would like the idea of the rhythm. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not going to rail on Matt Nagy when he did pick up five yards in the play. And it didn't ask Fields to do anything Crazy. It wasn't like he had to think extra hard about how the trick play would work. Then you get another play-action rollout. This one from under center again, but that's when Fields has to pivot and slips and falls and goes down and becomes an easy sack. Again, the Browns did a pretty good job of sniffing that play out and having a pass rusher there to disrupt the rollout, so Fields had to stop. He would have maybe had a check down to Jimmy Graham, but the sack is not really his fault. It's not really the offensive line fault. I mean, it's the turf monster. But Matt Nagy in that play, trying to do the rollout, trying to do the moving pocket, Nothing was really that open, but it's, it's what a lot of Bears fans were clamoring for, and it was sprinkled occasionally in there through the game. Then you have a third down where Fields just throws a little check down to David Montgomery and picks up 11 to get the Bears down to the four, or gets them down to the, down to the two, I think, and then, or no, down to the four. And then Nagy kicks the field goal on fourth and two when I think we all would have wanted to see the Bears try for the touchdown there, given how difficult it had been, or at least... Go try for the conversion when we see how difficult it had been to move the ball up to that point. So I think on that drive, you had some offensive line issues. You had some penalties. You had Fields missing a couple of throws. You had Fields forcing a throw downfield. You had Matt Nagy trying some things to move the pocket and unsuccessfully trying some other things and different run pass options. And some of those plays were not set up well for Fields to have success. Some were asking too much of Fields. Some were just settling for throwing short in the red zone and trying to make a play after the catch to like 
you had good fields and bad fields and good naggy and bad naggy and okay offensive line and bad offensive line. And it really sort of, it gave you the full gamut of the inconsistency that we saw through that game. But I, I think it speaks greater to some of the takeaways from this game about each of those sort of three involved parties here and how that might apply to the game plans moving forward against the Lions and beyond. We'll take a look at how we're going to shift some blame here and what the bigger themes were from this performance next on Locked On Bears. Right before I started this podcast, went into my pantry, cracked open a delicious cookie dough chunk flavor of Built Bars. My shipment arrived today, a full box of the best flavor of the world's best tasting protein bars. Cookie dough chunk is so good because unlike, like all Built Bars, Every single one is covered in 100% real chocolate. They're all soft. They're easy to chew. But Cookie Dough Chunk has, as its name would suggest, actual chunks of cookie dough on the built bar. It's underneath the chocolate. So the, the chocolate still goes around the outside. But then the top of the bar, you can like see the outline of the cookie dough chunks in there. And they taste so good. They're real cookie dough in a built bar that's still good for you. That's the most amazing thing for me is it still has only five grams of sugar, only I think 150 calories, but still 15 grams of protein. It's loaded up with all the good stuff and none of that extra stuff. It, it's like I get to eat a candy bar, but you don't get that sh blood sugar spike. You don't get that crash. You don't feel like crap from having just eaten candy. You get that full feeling of having a delicious protein bar. It's a sweet treat that makes my day every single day. And I promise you will love them too. Just got to try them for yourself. Head on over to BuiltBar.com and enter our promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCKED15, for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Going back through the All-22 for me, I was surprised by how much worse I thought Justin Fields played the second time through. You know, watching it live, there were mistakes, but it felt like he was always under pressure, and it felt like the pockets were collapsing, and yes, those, those things were happening, but there were more throws on the second watch-through where I felt like he was just inaccurate or late. The offensive line was also having problems, but there were pl plays where he did step into throws and had didn't have a lot of time, but had enough time for a quick throw that he wasn't able to hit. And I think the, the frustrating or surprising part for me was how much he was locking on to one read and one receiver and how def the defensive backs and the linebackers were able to key in on that more and more. And so when you, if you are going to lock on to your one read, you have to be early or on time before the defense can read your eyes all the way to get through there. But Fields was both late and locking in a little bit too much, and he wasn't seeing the full field and he wasn't reading things as a full progression nearly as much as he would at Ohio State. And I don't think, you know, I think some of it was play call design. It's like on this play, you just have this. But I think some of it too was just feeling that clock, feeling that pressure, understanding that it's Garrett and Clowney and just sort of the mental aspect of they've been kicking your butt all game when you're just trying to make a play and you're just trying to press and you're like, you know, here's where the play is going to be. So I'm going to try and make sure I can make that play when maybe the other play is to be made elsewhere, whether it's, you know, he had two slants to one side of the field and he threw to one, but he should have thrown to the other because it was going to be more open, but he knew where he wanted to go with the first one. Same thing with like a curl and a flat. He should have thrown to the flat, but he knew the curl was where he wanted to go and where he's supposed to go. But then the linebacker adjusted at the last minute and made it more of a tight window throw that he couldn't hit. It's just like little things like that. And it made me wonder if maybe then there was just too much on his plate in terms of Matt Nagy really putting him in there. And for a lot of this game, it felt like 
the full Bears, Matt Nagy, even Andy Dalton type offense of like, here's here's everything. Go out there, Justin, and do it. And certainly at Ohio State, he looked fully capable of doing all that, but throwing a rookie in there in his first career start on one week of practicing with the starters is not the ideal opportunity. And it, it felt like Nagy trusted Fields almost too much to be able to do too much, and that's where the blame then comes back on the head coach, right? It's like Fields struggled, and Fields made mistakes that were sort of his own fault, but they were partially his own fault because Matt Nagy set him up in those positions to have to make some of these plays and some of these decisions. Like, Field, like Nagy put him out there expecting veteran quarterback and veteran quarterbacking and veteran thought processing, better veteran pocket presence, and all the mistakes Fields seemed to make are very, very common among rookies, especially Rookies in their first start. It's all things you would totally expect a rookie quarterback to do in those situations. And so it's not some indictment that, like, Fields is terrible and is never going to be good. It was like, oh, yeah, he looked about how you would expect a rookie quarterback to. And so that's where so much of the blame then ends up circling back on Nagy, even when you want to maybe blame Fields here and there for not being as, as I guess, prepared or as pristine or as ready as maybe you would have wanted him to. Like, it felt like he needed to have perfect timing and perfect anticipation while facing pressure with receivers that he barely practiced with. Like it, it was really obvious that, you know, he spent all of preseason with the bet with the second team. And that it was, it was obvious that he had had about one week of actually preparing with these starters to really get on the same page. It wasn't until the second half that that timing got better. Like on that Allen Robinson curl route, that was just perfect third and long, exactly where it needed to be. And, and a great throw and a great play by Allen Robinson to make the plays after the catch. So it's like, that's where I blame Nagy more so than, you know, the five-man protection thing is way, way, way overblown. You know, they had plays with six and seven blockers in there, and A, it didn't always make a difference in stopping the pass rush, and B, it greatly limits the routes your quarterback has to throw to. So, like, yes, they should have helped more on on Miles Garrett, but I put some of that blame on the center for not calling protections well enough. Some of them were just missed blocks. Some of them were just, you need your guys to win some blocks for more than two seconds, and they couldn't do that straight up. So it's not so much the the five man protections thing. They it, it wasn't it's not as simple as just leave more blockers in there all game, but maybe moving the pocket a little bit more, a little bit more earlier, maybe setting up screens more earlier. We saw them in the like in the third and fourth quarter at the end of the game, but couldn't really get that going. It took it took a while for Nagy to really adjust to some of what the Browns defense was doing in terms of the pass rush and the blitzing and the looks that they were giving Justin Fields. So it, it's all things that I think for fields are very correctable, are very common for a rookie quarterback. For Nagy, uh, you would you would like a head coach to do more and better anticipate where his rookie quarterback might struggle and just have a better read on where his rookie quarterback was in the process. That seems to be where the big disconnect was first and foremost. But I do expect things to simplify a little bit more against the Detroit Lions, things to be a little bit less wide open for fields and things to be a little bit dumbed down is not the right word, but I think they'll be a little bit more fine tuned to fields. I think they kind of put him out there and said, let's see what this guy can handle. Essentially. Let's, let's put everything on him and see what works and what doesn't. And then kind of fine tune it from there. And I think that's what you'll see the bears do against the lions. And honestly, I think we'll see the offense produce better against Detroit. And I think we'll see a little bit of renewed confidence in fields. A lot of bears fans, I think are past the point of renewed confidence in Matt Nagy, very understandably, but I think, It'll be some kind of 
bounce back offensive performance in some way, in part because I don't think the Lions pass rush will be nearly as good as the Browns pass rush. And that'll open up the Bears a little bit more offensively to do more. But then, you know, run the ball more. Definitely didn't see enough of that against Cleveland, even when the scoreboard was still close. And being more creative in the running game and more true read options, although Fields was not making the perfect reads on those as well. But this is just part of the look, the rookie learning experience, the growing experience, and we saw all the growing pains, and it was about as rough as it could be for Fields against a really, really good team, but the Lions are not going to be that same really good team, and I think we should see some kind of bounce back, despite all of our concerns about Matt Nagy and our concerns about Fields and where he is in his development and our concerns about this offensive line. It shouldn't be that bad two weeks in a, go, two weeks in a row against a team like the Lions, and if it is, that's when you really know for sure you got to start firing people and you got to start making some serious, serious changes in terms of play call and, and everything else. So that's why the Bears aren't panicking just yet. And Matt Nagy's not ready to, you know, to- totally dump everything and take himself out of the play calling. And even if, even if maybe he should, there, there's some real clear signs of being close to successful against the Browns. And there's some, some reason to believe that things are going to get better as things progress forward with this young quarterback and as the head coach takes longer than he should to get to know how to use his rookie quarterback. But you can be sure we'll break it all down for you five days a week right here on the Lockdown Bears podcast. So make sure that you subscribe to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. The podcast is free and available on all platforms. So appreciate everyone who tunes in no matter where you listen or if you're watching along on the YouTube channel. Really appreciate all the great comments and likes that go on these videos. Helps create a little bit more of a conversation around the show and helps make it, I think, a little bit more fun. More than anything else, I think it helps make it just a little bit easier for everyone else to bear down.